Hi, I'm Walter Harvey, the senior pastor at Parklawn Assembly of God. Parklawn is a church that both regular attenders and even unchurched people love to attend. Why? Perhaps it's because we seek real and authentic relationships. We're a multicultural church that's engaged in volunteerism and outreach in our community and world. Let's face it, we live in a real world. Young people are facing challenges in their school, relationships, and career choices. That's why we're focused on practical matters, such as making faith work in family, career, and community issues. If you're tired of church as usual, or you don't go to church at all, then Park Lawn Assembly of God could be the perfect place for you. Come check it out this weekend. We have services each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Park Lawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. Hallelujah. God bless you. You may take your seats in this sanctuary. It is amazing when I think about the ritual time and time again, day in and day out, that the high priest of Israel would have to conduct. They always had to cover the sins of the people. In fact, they had to actually cover their own sins and then the sins of the people. This was a frequent routine. Over and over again. Why? Because their ministry was finite. It was limited. But the writer of Hebrews lets us know that Jesus was confirmed as a faithful high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And Melchizedek is a king in the Old Testament that is regarded as one who had no end. And so the Lord says he is a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, indicating that his ministry, his service as high priest has no end. In other words, the work that he completed at Calvary was an eternal work. It was and is a work that lasts forever. And so multiple times the writer of Hebrews lets us know that once and for all, Jesus gave himself as a sacrifice to cover and take away our sins. And that's something to celebrate. Because what that says to us is the sacrifices that we believe are reasonable, the sacrifices that we believe are adequate, really have no effect when it comes to taking our sins away. And I was reminded of this because, you know, you look at a lot of movies, especially movies of, that are action-filled, and there are different individuals, sometimes the hero or the anti-hero, and, and, and they begin to lament all the bad things that they've done in their life. They begin to sometimes have flashbacks about the lives that they've taken. Uh, and sometimes they try to cover the memory. They try to cover those emotions and those thoughts by doing good deeds. And they believe if I do this one good thing, that'll help me feel better. That's called a sacrifice. Uh, that, that, that is reflective of works. But Jesus, by grace, he did a work that lasts forever. We no longer have to rely on our own individual sacrifices to atone for our sins. 
In fact, the scripture says that the blood, the blood of, of, of bulls and goats does nothing for our guilty conscience. Some of us can't get free because we still deal with the memory of our past life. But the blood of Jesus comes to cover all of it. In fact, it comes to wash away the stain of sin. So even before we dive into our message today, I want you to be liberated. Grab a hold to that word. The blood of Jesus still works. Yes, it does. The blood of Jesus, it deals with the guilty feelings. God did not deliver you to have you stuck in your past. He did not bring you out of sin to be punishing yourself day in and day out. Forgive yourself and move on. The blood has done it. If you agree with that, say thank you, Jesus. Amen. It is my privilege to be here to share the word with you this morning. Uh, we give honor to our senior leaders, Bishop uh, Walter Harvey and Lady Judy Harvey. Um, and let's give God praise. They are celebrating, I believe it's 33 years of matrimony. We honor them in their absence. We have actually a, a few couples that I know within the last couple of weeks um, have either celebrated their wedding anniversary or are soon to uh, be doing that. And so we give God honor for how he's kept them. I'm thankful today uh, to be here also with my family, my wife and my children, uh, my mom, and uh, I see my folks in the back. Amen. The Simmons family, God bless you. Uh, Brother T uh, Corey and my sister Tanya, and we have uh, my wife's sisters, uh, Kathy and Leslie, and yeah, come on, let's give it up for family. Yeah. Leslie's son, Jacor, and Kathy's granddaughter, Nevaeh. Amen. Glad to be in the house of the Lord with family. It's nothing like it. It's nothing like it. Uh, we give honor to the people of God. This is a word today, you all, that I believe, if received, will revolutionize us as a church. Uh, we've been dealing with the topic of spiritual warfare. How many of you have been enjoying uh, the words this month on spiritual warfare? Amen. And for those who may not have been here for any of the messages or if you missed a couple, what I'd like to do real quickly is just give a bit of a recap um, just to help us get to the place where we want to depart from on today. I believe it is appropriate because uh, to my mind, this word about spiritual warfare is not just a word uh, that that bishop pulled out of his back pocket and, and said, I, I need a topic for July. No, no. First of all, he doesn't do that. But second of all, I want you to know that God is speaking to the house. Pastor Jason led off and he gave us instruction and edification around the armor of God. Talked about the breastplate of righteousness all the way down to the loin belt, the truth and the shoes of the gospel of peace. He talked about operating in our lane. Uh, Bishop Harvey followed up uh, that particular message. He began to talk about uh, exposing the enemy's strategies. He talked about the, the danger of independent spirits, the danger of rebellious behavior and divisions. Elder Steele at Aspire talked about arresting and dealing with our flesh and how we really can't really talk about dealing with principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places if we don't first deal with our flesh. Evangelist Will Jones talked about world war, inner me. 
and he gave us five keys to victory. He said, first of all, hold on to Jesus Christ. He said, we need determination. He said, we need to be watchful, that we need to get in God's word, and we need to pray. Minister Tim Wright uh, exhorted us uh, to remember that the battle is the Lord's. He has a lot of quotables, and I'll just share a couple. He, he said, stop playing games. He says, press pause and then pray. He said, God can't move if you're not humble. Once you commit, go with all you've got. I heard one rap group, Mob, D say, Mob Deep, they said, uh, there's no such thing as halfway crooks. If you're going to do it, go all the way. There's no such thing as halfway saints. If you're going to walk for God and live for the Lord, then go all the way. Bishop Harvey very recently ministered unto us a word, the devil's worst nightmare. The devil's worst nightmare exhorted us to increase our prayer life. This is how we become the devil's worst nightmare. Spend more time in the word. Walk by the spirit and not uh, suspicion. Minister Gary Taney talked about Achan and how Achan's act of selfishness hindered the people of God. And he said that when Joshua confronted him, Achan admitted that the things that he had taken were hidden in the ground underneath his tent. And Minister Gary Taney indicated that the tent represents our heart. And he says, we have to be honest with ourselves and remove the things that we have hidden in our heart, like bitterness and, and anger, things that really contaminate us and they are infectious towards others. And he asked a very poignant question. He says, do people see the Lord Jesus in us? And he said, arguably, one of the most riveting statements for me, at least in this last month, he said, fight like God said fight. Come on, sometimes that old man gets to kicking in and, and we go back to Burleigh. For those of us who are from Milwaukee, come on. We go back to Hillside, come on now. And we start remembering how we used to do it back in the day. But he said, fight like God said fight. We've received so much content, you all, that's rich. And powerful, so much equipment, such a spiritual uh, arsenal. It begs the question what are we to do with all of this information? And I argue today that God did not share these words with these uh, uh, ministers of the Lord for no reason. He's speaking to us individually, to our families, but He's speaking to us as a local and corporate body. And this brings us to today. The word the Lord dropped in my spirit for July 29th, 2018 is a word again, I believe, is going to shake us a bit, but it's going to encourage us. So powerful is it that I reached out to Bishop. And I, I shared with him what the Lord had given me, see, and I sought permission to share this. And so he or she who has an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying, let that individual hear. I implore you today not to treat this as just any other message, not because I want likes, 
but because God is speaking to this house. The first three words the Lord dropped in my spirit, and this will be the title of this message. The first three words are get in formation. Get in formation. Everybody say formation. Now here's the remainder of this word the Lord dropped. He says, we are marching to Zion. There is a season of embattlements ahead. He said, I have given instruction. I have spoken. The people of God have got to fight. There is a skill set and knowledge base that must be enacted. Nothing happens just because you want it to happen. The Lord said that wolves of deception are going to be unleashed, coming in many forms. He said, but my word shall secure you. He said, be careful of what people say to you. Listen with your ears, with your spirit ear. He said, I will dissect and parse words and messages so you recognize and understand the spirit behind the words. He says, you will discern the heart behind what is heard. He said, even people close to you, even those you trust will come with words, counsel, and thoughts about decisions that you have to make. Be careful of what is said. I have a place, says the Lord. Repeat after me. Get in formation. Now, we're going to take off at this point. Formation is a very interesting word, very simple on one hand, but complex on the other. Uh, if I can offer a, a very quick definition for formation, it is the manner in which something is formed or arranged, a structure perhaps. And if there is arrangement, then it necessarily means that formation has a purpose. And if a formation has a purpose, then that means that someone designed it to accomplish a thing. There is some intelligence supporting it. There is some strategy and expected outcome. As I was doing my preparation, I began to research and look up different kinds of formations. Well, words have formations. When we were in elementary school and we, we learned about compound words, that is a word formation. For example, blackbird, that is two words that come together to form one. Birds in the animal kingdom have formations. And one of the best examples of formations uh, are, are the geese that we see. When it begins to get cold, they fly south for the winter. They have a very obvious and a very particular formation. For those of us who like dance, uh, you watch shows so you think you can dance. America's best dance crew, dance squads. If you were even on a cheerleading squad back in the day or, or, or what have you, dance teams have formations for different routines. And... Uh, one of my favorites, we have sports formations. Now, this is a little love for all the Packer backers in the room. All the Packer backers in the room. You see my man Brett Favre, old country Brett. But this is an example of football formation both on offense and on defense. And if you understand strategy in sports, again, the formations that are arranged, that are designed, have an expected outcome. 
In fact, it, it, it becomes so sophisticated that offensive coordinators, they have formations really for every defense that might actually come to them and come to the team. And then there's military formation. This is an example of line formation, very archaic, very, uh, very ancient in terms of the structure. We also have uh, square formation, if we have a, a, a photo of square formation. So this usually happens once the, the line formation has been breached. The commanding officer will give a signal and the troops will get into a square formation uh, because what it does is it covers, it covers them on all sides. It covers them on all sides and it protects the commanding officer. So now the flank is protected as well as the rear. Then there's something called echelon formation. And uh, shout out to my veterans in the building or even those who may be currently serving if we have that echelon. This is an example of the echelon uh, formation. You see that it's a bit staggered and airplanes use it, uh, uh, ground troops use it, as well as ships use it. They have the flying V, which I think we already saw uh, an image of with the, the geese being the inspiration for the flying V that we often see with aircraft. And then there's something called the wedge formation, uh, if we have that. I don't know if, if, it's, it's, if it's there. Uh, but the wedge formation is utilized a lot of times by platoons and, and firing squads when they're in the bush and they're moving towards a particular target. Formations are strategic. A lot of times the terrain will dictate what the formation is. A lot of times uh, the capacity, who is available, will dictate the formation. And even within the formation, different individuals have different jobs. Everybody say formation. Now I want to call your attention to 2 Samuel chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. We'll read that. And then we'll also read 1 Chronicles 12, 38. 2 Samuel 5, 1 through 10, and this is the New Living Translation, 1 Chronicles 12, 38. Afterwards, will be in the Amplified Translation. The Bible says in 2 Samuel 5, Then all the tribes of Israel went to David at Hebron and told him, We are your own flesh and blood. In the past, when Saul was your king, you were the one who really led the forces of Israel. And the Lord told you, you will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. You will be Israel's leader, verse 3. So there at Hebron, King David made a covenant before the Lord with all the elders of Israel, and they anointed him king of Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years in all. He had reigned over Judah from Hebron for seven years and six months. And from Jerusalem, he reigned over all of Israel and Judah for 33 years, verse 6. David then led his men to Jerusalem to fight against the Jebusites, the original inhabitants of the land who were living there. The Jebusites taunted David, saying, you'll never get in here. Even the blind and lame could keep you out. For the Jebusites thought they were safe, but David captured the fortress of Zion, which is now called the city of David. Verse 8, on the day of the attack, David said to his troops, I hate those lame and blind Jebusites. Whoever attacks them should strike by going into the city through the water tunnel. That is the origin of the saying, the blind and the lame may not enter the house. 
So David made the fortress his home, and he called it the city of David. He, intend, he extended the city, starting at the supporting terraces, and worked inward. And David became more and more powerful because the Lord God of heaven's armies was with him. Now moving to 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 38, amplified version. It says, all these men came in battle array or formation uh, to Hebron with a perfect or committed heart to make David king over all Israel and all the rest of Israel were also of one mind to make David king. Father, give me the strength to preach this word as you would have it in Jesus name. Amen. Parklawn has a destiny. We're not talking about a child's name. In my tenure as an educator, I've met a number of young ladies named Destiny, and that's beautiful. In fact, got one in my family named Destiny. But we're not talking about a person. Parklawn has a destiny. In other words, this instruction around spiritual warfare has come because in order to get to this destiny, we have got to fight. And if there is a fight, then necessarily that means that there is a formation that is required if we are going to reach our destiny. Now, destiny, for those who are taking notes, includes the following things. We hear words about destiny all the time. Destiny this, destiny that. I'm going after my destiny. Well, what is destiny? Destiny refers to a place or a space where you are flowing in your purpose. You are in the right position. You are serving the right people at the right place and at the precise time. Destiny. There is a place that this church is going to. And the interesting thing about that is not predicated upon one man or one woman. Everybody that's a part of the body has to get in line, has to get in formation to fight so that we can all reach our destiny. Everybody say formation. Now, I want to call our attention to the life of David because David's life, his journey to kingship, I believe, provides great instruction for us as the people of God who are called to Park Lawn. Hebron is an important place that David was heading to. But let's walk back a little bit in scripture so we can understand something about this thing called destiny. We know that the prophet Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 16, was given an assignment of the Lord. God said, I'm done with Saul. In fact, he told Samuel, stop crying. Stop mourning over Saul. There is a, there is a, a man named Jesse in Bethlehem. I have selected one of his sons to be the next king of Israel. And this is where we first are introduced to David. And we know his story. Testing, testing. Amen. We know his story. The remainder of 1 Samuel really gives us a, a, a lot of insight into what David's life was. David began to serve uh, in the house of Saul. He defeated Goliath. But a great portion of that chapter, that book rather, is dealing with David being on the run from Saul. A lot of that, that book has to do with David running for his life, dealing with a crazy boss. Some, how many of you got a crazy boss? Yeah, come on, Saul had lost his mind literally 
because the hand of the Lord was removed. The grace of God to lead was removed. And you, we can't do what God calls us to do without him. He literally lost his mind. So David was dealing with a crazy boss. He was running for his life. First Samuel chapter 31, David has to encounter. Now imagine this, he's running for his life. And then the place where he thought his family, his children, and the men who were following them, uh, him, their family, their children were safe. Ziglag is raided by the Amalekites. David eventually goes to, goes to war with these individuals and recovers all that they had plundered, all that they had taken. It was an arduous life. And why do I take the time to share this? Because saints of God, we have to understand that although we have a destiny, although David was called to kingship, it does not mean that there won't be challenges. And hallelujah, even if there are challenges, it does not stop what God has for you. We go to 2 Samuel chapter 2, and this is where it really gets good. David is anointed over the people anointed king over the people of Judah and people of God I want you to know that I don't believe it's a coincidence that he was first anointed king of Judah uh, why because Judah represents praise it means praise and uh, if I could offer this one tidbit I do not believe that you can make it to your destiny if you don't have a lifestyle of praise and worship he made a commitment to lead the people of Judah. We have to commit ourselves to a lifestyle of praise and a lifestyle of worship. He was king in Judah, but that was not the fulfillment of the prophecy. The word was he was going to be king over all of Israel. So let's keep going. Now, here's where the encouragement should come, and I, I pray that you receive this. Again, there will be bumps and challenges along the road to destiny. The Bible says that Abner, one of Saul's commanders, took it upon himself to go get one of Saul's sons and anoint him and consecrate him and dedicate him as king of Israel. That's one bump. Somebody is in David's seat. Somebody else is in the position that was promised to David. And then there was a war that broke out between the house of Saul and the house of David. We can call this sibling rivalry on steroids. The Bible says it was a long war. It was a family feud, if you will, amongst the people of God, really. People of God be encouraged. Family feuds will not derail your destiny unless you let it. Because even while all this was going on, David was still reigning as king of Judah in Hebron. Distraction doesn't cause you or, or doesn't cause you to miss out on destiny unless you let it. Whatever it is, it's not enough to stop what God has for you and I'll prove it. Uh, when we do the little, one of the, what's one of those songs that are those line dances? I can't think of what it is, uh, but I just know it starts off, we gotta get funky, and people start clapping. Clap, 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 clap. And there's a part of that song where it says, reverse, 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 reverse. God will reverse everything the devil tried to put in your way to stop you from reaching your destiny. 
Well, here's how I know that. I'm not just saying something. The Bible says that Abner, the same guy that put him up, Abner fell out with Saul's son, and he said, you know what? I'm tired of this guy. I don't like him anymore. David, I pledge my allegiance to you. In other words, God will cause the attitude of your adversary, your enemies, to be reversed. The same people that were trying to persecute you and rob you of what was rightfully yours, God can turn their hearts around and cause them to support and lift you up. Joab was the commander under David, and he took out Abner because Abner could not be trusted. So not only did God cause uh, David's enemy to become his supporter, for good measure, he allowed him to be removed out the way. Eventually, Saul's son, Ishbosheth, was murdered. God has a way of turning those things around. Amen. So now we are at Hebron, and David is reigning as king. And Hebron is important because it represents a milestone. It represents a place of achievement. It represents advance, and it represents a level of success. It represents a point of victory, but not necessarily total victory. Why? Because the destiny, the destination was for him to be king over all of Israel, not just Judah, not just reigning in Hebron. And I submit to you that as a church, Parkland, we've been at Hebron for a long time. In other words, God has been good to us. <laughs> Come on. There's many of you who, who, whose, whose membership outdates mine, and so you've seen even gr in greater measure how far the Lord has brought the church. We've won many battles, seen many souls saved, seen many families edified and families strengthened and families built up. There's been a lot of victories that Park Lawn has experienced, but guess what? That's not the end of it. God is not done with us yet. There is yet a place that God has for us as a church. Now, I'd like to make this a little bit more personal. For all that God has done for you, for every battle that he's won on your behalf, come on, every time he stepped in as Jehovah Jireh, every time he stretched out his hand with healing to touch you or your loved one, the miry clay that he grabbed you out of, when he placed you on that solid rock to stay, all that God has done for you, I submit that you are at Hebron. In other words, God is not done with you yet. So don't get complacent, church. Don't get comfortable, church. There is another place that God has for you to arrive at. There's another place. We cannot get comfortable at Hebron. The devil wants to stop you. He wants to try to keep you from reaching your full destiny. David could have stayed at Hebron. The devil would love for you to be happy in this park right here. He would love for the church to just park right here where we are right now. Oh, we got a beautiful edifice. Oh, we're doing things in the community. Oh, we got stuff going. He would love for us to get complacent and to just say, this is good enough. But God has more in store for us. Now, this is where it really gets even better because 
Now we begin to see the actual confrontation with the enemy that tried to keep David out of his place of destiny. The Bible says that there was an enemy called the Jebusites. The Jebusites were the original people of the place that David was actually going to go to. And they were not going to allow David to just enter that space without a fight. And that says to us once again, if we are going to get to our destiny, we have got to fight. And if we are going to fight well, saints, we have to get in formation. We have to get in formation and we have to stay in formation. Now, in other words, it's not good enough just to be present. It's not good enough just to be skilled. Our victory, the attainment of God's promise for this house, depends on you, depends on me, getting into and staying in formation. Everybody say, formation. Now hear the Lord today. The Bible says in 1 Chronicles 12 that there were men who were once following Saul who said, you know what, we are going to pledge our loyalty to David. These were brave warriors, all of them. Let me give you a bit of a, a sample. There were Benjamites. The Bible says these folks were expert archers, could shoot arrows and sling stones with both hands. They can go left or right. They were warriors from the tribe of Gad. They were brave. They were experienced. They knew what to do with both shield and spear. Now listen to this description. The Bible says they were as fierce as lions and as swift as deer on the mountains. It said the weakest of these commanders from Gad could take on a hundred troops and the strongest could take on a thousand. There were 200 leaders from the tribe of Issachar. The Bible says part of their value was that they understood the times. They, know, they knew when to move and when not to move. There were men from Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh. They were prepared for battle and armed with every kind of weapon. But let me call your attention back to 1 Chronicles 12 and 38. Again, it's not enough just for us to show up. It's not enough just for us to have skills and talents and I'm gifted. Let's look at what the scripture says one more time. It says, all these being men of war arrayed in battle formation, arrayed in battle formation came to Hebron with a perfect heart to make David king over all Israel and all the rest of Israel were also of one mind to make David king. With all that they had, they could have overtaken David. As skilled as they were. <laughs> Come on, you talk about no limit. As skilled as they were, they laid their weapons down. They humbled themselves and said, David, we are with you. They got into battle formation. There was order. Doesn't matter about your anointing. Does not matter about your title. Does not matter uh, how long that you have done something. Unless you are in formation, the battle cannot be won. Unless you are in the arrangement, 
that God has ordained, it will not matter. It was not enough for them to show up with their weapons and with all of their experience on the battlefield. They had to get in formation. If I can be a bit more plain, don't break your rank. Don't get out of position. <laughs> because see, when we get out of formation, just imagine with all that those men possess, just imagine if one of those tribes started filling itself. Just imagine if Gad would have started looking cross-eyed at Reuben and said, what? Just imagine if they would have began to fight. It would have been a catastrophe. It would have been a disaster. They had to stay in formation. Paul talks about formation when he talks about the body of Christ. He likens us to the natural body. In 1 Corinthians 12 and 18, just listen, it says, But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it to be. God has placed us in a formation. It does not matter what you think you should be. Come on here. Because see, here's the thing, and I want to encourage you. God knows who you are and where you are because everything that you possess, everything you have, God gave it to you anyway. So what we have to do is humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt us. He will raise us up. If we come lowly, if we submit our anointing, if we submit our title, if we submit our experience, our gifts, our talents, God will get us in the right place. Everybody say formation. Come on, if you get out of formation, you could expose your brother or your sister to harm or to death at worst. If you get out of formation, you will be out of the earshot of your commanding officer. Uh, can you imagine that? If your commanding officer is saying, hey, 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 come on, we're going over here. But because you decided to go on your own, you got out of formation. You cannot hear. Now, guess what? You're isolated. And now the enemy can pounce on you and pummel you and destroy you. Why? Because you got out of formation. You hurt yourself getting out of formation. You will hurt yourself trying to do things that you've not been authorized to do. You will hurt yourself if you step out of line. Uh, think about the sons of Sceva in Acts 19. They tried to operate in the anointing and in a place of authority that they had not obtained. They did not have the grace. And they tried to cast out a demon with no authority. And they got pummeled. And it was seven of them. You will hurt yourself if you get out of formation. Everybody say formation. You will get other people hurt when you get out of formation. Yes, you will. In Numbers chapter 16, the Bible says that there were three men. They were related. Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. They decided they were tired of Aaron and Moses. They decided that, hey, 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 look... What are you doing? Did you bring us out here just to die? Where's your promised land at, Moses? Where is your promised land at, Aaron? Let me make it more personal. Where is your promised land at, Bishop? They began speaking against the man of God, the men of God. And they recruited some folks. <laughs> they recruited 250 other people. And they got on their team. 
God became so angry and so furious, he said, look, get out the way, Aaron. Get out the way, Moses. I'm going to deal with these folks. Moses, being the man of God that he is, tried to intercede. But he also began to prophesy because he was a prophet. And he began to talk about the earth open. He said, if I be a man of God, there's going to be something unusual that happens. And if something unusual does not happen, then I am not a man of God. And the Bible says, right as Moses was speaking, the earth opened up. And it swallowed Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And guess what? It swallowed their families. It swallowed up everything they possessed. Hallelujah. It swallowed up their followers. Little side note, be careful who you're following. In this culture where everybody wants you to follow them, Twitter, people with Twitter followers and, and Facebook followers, be careful who you like. Be careful who you follow. Who you follow can cause you to get killed. Who's you, who you follow can cause you to lose everything that you have. These men got out of formation. They insulted not Moses and Aaron. They rebelled against God. If we get out of formation, church, we're not rebelling against Bishop. We're not rebelling against the, the leadership team. We are rebelling against God. Hallelujah. Somebody say formation. We're almost done. The Bible says that when Absalom rose up against his father, despite the treasonous act that it was, David gave specific examples to his commander, Joab, and the soldiers. He said, when you find this young man, bring him back gently. He said, deal gently with him. Look at the father's heart. This man, the Bible says, Absalom stole the heart of the people. Look at, look, at, look at the father's heart that's on display here. Despite his flagrant rebellion, his daddy still loved him. Isn't that just like our God? Despite all the times we walk away when he said, come forward. Despite all the times we turn our hands to him and say, not now, Lord. He still calls us anyway. He loves us in our rebellion. And that's Bible because the scripture says, while we were enemies, while we were rebellious towards God, Christ died for us. He said, deal gently with Absalom. But Joab got out of formation. Joab and his men killed Absalom. And the Bible says the king was heartbroken. It grieved the king because despite his rebellion, he still loved his boy. That was still his son. That wasn't Abner's son. It wasn't his responsibility. People of God, we've got to be careful that we don't kill the people that God wants to show mercy. Sometimes we kill folks with our words. Sometimes we kill folks with our looks when God is extending mercy. I don't care. So what they out there bad? So what they still slipping and tipping and tripping? So what? God says mercy belongs to them. We will grieve the heart of our leader if we get out of formation. Come on, I got to just be direct. It grieves Bishop's heart. When we got Joabs breaking out all over the church. 
I'm not saying this because somebody told me something. This is what the Lord is saying. We got to stay in formation. I rebuke the spirit of Joab in the name of Jesus. I cover the minds of the people of God with the blood. I come against rebellious thoughts. I come against divisive thinking and tactics in Jesus' name. Joab shall not arise in this house. Every Absalom shall receive mercy. Every Absalom shall be delivered. I speak that in Jesus' name. It grieves our leader when we get out of formation. It is not beneficial to us if our captain, if our general is grieved. The scripture says this, Hebrews 13, 17. It says, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. For they watch over your souls as they must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is not profitable to you. Everybody say formation. Now, just as bad things happen when we get out of formation, on the contrary, awesome things happen when we get in formation. Come on now. The Bible says these men gathered unto David with a, a perfect heart, with a committed heart, and great things happen. I don't have the time, but they eventually conquered the Jebusites. They eventually, they eventually captured the fortress of Zion where the Jebusites were actually walled in at. And he renamed it the city of David. Saints of God, you must understand that there are some enemies that are occupying the place that God has said is for you. And the Jebusites mocked David. They said, you'll never get in here. You, you, you'll never get in here. Have you heard that word? Somebody said, you'll never do that. You'll never get to that level. You'll never grow to that point. The devil is a liar. The very place that the Jebusites said he would never have, David captured Come on, arm yourself, man of God. Come on, arm yourself, woman of God. Hallelujah, and be of good courage. You shall conquer and capture your place of destiny. Great things happen when we get in formation. Tabernacles get erected when we get in formation. Come on now, walls of cities that have been ruined get restored when we get in formation. The temple gets rebuilt when we get in formation. And each of those accounts, whether it be Exodus, whether it be Nehemiah, whether it be Ezra, the people had the right heart. They had a mind to do the work. They were on one accord. They stayed in formation. The last thing I want to share before we get ready to close. It's not coincidence that David prospered. The Bible says he prospered in Zion. He made it his own. He grew it. He produced. He was effective. He was successful in Zion. King Hiram of Tyre sent him resources to, to build in Zion. He, David was prosperous. He was blessed. And if you know, like I know, nothing when you are in the Lord happens by coincidence. I believe that David sowed the seeds for his prosperity. David sowed the seeds for his eventual success under the leadership of a crazy boss. <laughs> yeah, I got to go there. 
the seeds of his appointment, the seeds to his prosperity, I believe, were sown under a crazy leader. Saul had lost his mind. Literally, y'all, this man was trying to kill him. David was playing the harp, trying to soothe his weary soul. In fact, the scripture says Saul was tormented with evil spirits. And the harp was helping him. But while he was playing the harp, David that is, Saul tried to kill him. Now you know he lost his mind. Some of you may have been under attack by a person in authority, perhaps on your job, and you've done nothing wrong. You are doing everything that you are supposed to do. You are showing up on time. You are not stealing company time. You are not stealing company resources. But for some reason, you keep getting all these javelins thrown your way. And what is a javelin? A javelin is a harsh word. A javelin is undeserved criticism and critique. Where is that coming from? But guess what? David never raised his hand. He never recruited people to overtake Saul. He served faithfully still. And the scripture lets us know that he got stronger and stronger as time went on. Be encouraged, man or woman of God in this place. If you find yourself in a situation like David was, if you find yourself under attack, under assault, even oppressed, whatever the situation may be, if you stay faithful. Because guess what? God is watching. Even when David had to run for his life, he still honored them. He honored Saul. He honored Saul's children. He honored Jonathan. He honored Saul's grandson. Let that be a lesson for us in honor. Don't punish the children or the grandchildren for what their grandparents have done. You better not do it. God is watching. If we are faithful with another man's, God will give us our own. If that's what he has for you, if that's what he has for you, it's going to come. The anointing flows from the head down. <laughs> so you got to stay in formation. If you get out of formation, then you'll miss the anointing. <laughs> come on now. No other minister or preacher who stands here does what they do independent of the anointing that starts at the head of this house. Don't get it twisted. It flows from the head down. It starts in heaven and it flows down to the head of this house who was Bishop Harvey. And then we all benefit because it's flowing down because we stay in formation. As we begin to close. You will be blessed when you stay in formation. I believe that David was able to be submitted. He was able to be humble even when he could have opted out of that. He could have took his talents to South Beach. 
And then even when he did, he still was submitted. Saul had him cornered. Actually, he had Saul cornered two different times. He could have killed Saul. Imagine that, y'all. He could have got revenge. He could have got him back. He could have clapped back. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Saul got what was coming to him. Saul got what was coming to him. God will take care of Saul. God will deal with that person that's persecuting you. Yes, he will. But I believe that David was able to do that because it started with him and God first. In other words, the Bible says this, that David was a man after the heart of God. So his ability to abase himself, his ability to be submitted didn't begin in the house of Saul. It began when he was on the backside tending sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It began when nobody knew who he was except his family. It began when he was generic, when he wasn't a name brand. It began in the secret place. It began when nobody was looking or watching and he called on the name of the Lord. In order to get information, church, we have to first get in right formation with God. We have to humble ourselves and say, God, I don't have it all. Thank you for every gift. Thank you for even the prophetic declarations over my life. Thank you for what you have for me. I believe that Zion is waiting for me. But God... I humble myself and I choose to stay in formation. Lord, I won't break rank. I will not get out of position, but I will stay in my place. God, my brother needs me to be in formation. My sister is dependent on me to stay in formation. Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Parkline Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.